Welcome to College Soccer Nation, the premier podcast focused on NCAA collegiate soccer, featuring SMU head women's coach Chris Petroselli and Old Miss head women's coach Mad Mod. You can download and listen to this podcast on your favorite podcast provider. And if you like what you hear, leave a five-star review and tell your soccer friends. Now let's go to Coach Petroselli and Coach Mod. Well, welcome in to College Soccer Nation. My name is Matt Mott on this Monday selection show, or selection Monday, I guess we should call it, Chris. And uh, let me bring in Chris Petroselli. This is our selection show of uh, yes. college women's and men's college soccer uh, selection shows we're out tonight. Chris, how are you doing on this great Monday uh, Monday evening? Well, it's, uh, it's a, you know, it's a big day in, in, in our sport. Um, you know, we... Teams get selected. Everybody finds out their fate, their matchups, who they're going to play. Some teams get left out, you know, and, and it's a rough day for the for those teams. But, uh, you know, it's a, certainly a, a really interesting time um, in our sport. And and we're going to, you know, we're going to uh, change up our um, uh, the way we do the show a little bit because of the NCAA tournament, right? Yeah, absolutely. And so, first of all, I'm um, pretty exciting. Our guest is uh, Clifton Douglas, who is the chairman of the NCAA Women's Soccer Committee. Uh, he ran the uh, ran the selection this this uh, this weekend. Uh, That's a big a fantastic, guess. a big guess. Right That's a big <laughs> Thank guess. Thank you. Right there. Yeah, yeah. We we we, we our uh, our people were able to uh, effort him and uh, got him on. So we're we're excited for Clifton. He'll be on uh, in a little bit. But did a great job. We aren't doing a Power Five. No Power Five this uh, this week. Uh, and no questions, right? No questions from the listeners. No. We're going to kind of really focus in on the bracket and the, and really this first round games. But certainly before that, we want to look at the conference tournaments that kind of affected a lot of the brackets. So um, yeah. I think really good, really good uh, conversation. Really, if you are tuning in and you tune in for the power five and all the nonsense, it's it's a tough show to listen to. If uh, you're here <laughs> because you're a college soccer, women's college soccer fan, we have all the all the info for you. Yep, we'll get back to you know having the the normal format here after the NCAA tournament. But yeah, during the NCAA tournament, we're going to uh, basically follow up each round with a a little bit of a recap of what went on, and then uh, and look forward and preview the the next round. So, you know, the the regularity of us being every Monday will change a little bit um, just during this time period. It's just a kind of a three week time period. Um, but we do think that this is, you know, this is a a big time for uh, for our sport, and and we thought we ought to treat it that way. Absolutely, absolutely. So Sad we should um, congratulate uh, first of all all the teams that have been selected, uh-huh. and, and I want to point out um, specifically the people that we've had on on the podcast and just recognize them uh, for their teams being selected. So I want to start with Matt Mott. How about that? The old Miss Rebels are in. <laughs> yes, thank you. It was a uh, it was a stressful weekend in Indy um, for sure. You know, when you're on the committee, it's it's really interesting because you can't talk about your team. You can't you can't vote for your team. You can't talk about your team. So I had no influence on on our team getting in. Our team had to get in on their own um, on their own volition, and uh, I think that. Um, it, so what happens is to let the, the listeners know. So when they, when your team comes up for discussion, you have to leave the room. So two years ago, um, we were, we were up for discussion and I went in a room and I was in there, Chris, for three hours. I forgot my phone and Shawshank Redemption was on. So I watched oh, Shawshank nice. Redemption. I'll never forget it. Yeah. This year <laughs> I remembered my phone as I was texting you. Um, and, uh, and went in the room, um, feeling a lot better, mind you, where our team was and, uh, and Seinfeld was on. So a couple good Seinfeld episodes, but, and I wasn't in near as long this time. So that was good. Maybe something we'll joke about with Clifton later, but, uh, it's a, it's tough, right? You can't talk about your team, you know, and like Clifton, Clifton can't talk about teams in his conference. So for example, he can't talk about rights. If we were to talk about rights to the conference USA teams, he has to leave. And, and same thing with everybody in there. So, um, you know, you can't have influence on on the teams that you uh, work with. And uh, so it's an awkward situation. But certainly I was happy when I went back in and found out we were in for sure. Yeah. Congratulations for sure. Thanks, Chris. Appreciate it. OK. And some of the other ones are our own Brian Lee, who we'll have on yeah. here in a minute. His team won Conference USA. Um, again, people we've had on the show, Mark Accordion, Florida State. In is the number, number one seed, team. right? Number one seed. Yeah, uh, Eddie Redwanski and and uh, Clemson during this yep. season team. Yeah, 14 seed. Yeah, great, great season uh, they've had so far. Sure. Yeah. Um, 
Jerry Smith with Santa yep. Clara. Yeah, eleven seed, right? Another seeded team. Yeah, well, we've had some good ones. Yeah, Anson, obviously, <laughs> yes. every year, right? <laughs> yeah, he's the number two seed right behind yeah. Florida State. Um, so congrats to him, too. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Jeff Hooker, we had on last week from Denver. Had a Yeah. Yeah, boy, we, a lot of talk about Jeff. You know, his he uh, a lot of the committee members were really impressed watching them play. Um, so he, he uh, he's in a good spot, I think. A, yeah. a good draw. Yep. Kadani McAlpine in uh, USC. Yep. Seated as well. Seed number eight, right? So – Top top kind of two seed if you went ones and twos, um, you know, obviously great spot for them. Yeah, and a, and a shout out to Shella Simon and his, his Grand Canyon team who got an at large today, uh, at large bid uh, into to the men's tournament today. They had lost in their conference final, only game they lost all year, uh, but they were you know they were probably a little bit shaky and and a little concerned, uh, and good for him as he's retiring that he gets himself into the NCAA tournament. One more shot, you know, it's interesting, Chris the men's selection was going on the same time as ours and they made fun of us because Saturday night we were there till almost midnight and they were done at 10 or something like that. Well, then on, uh, on Sunday, we flipped it a little bit. We were done, had everything done. They were still going through um, at largest. So we kind of made fun of them, but you know, their turn, their tournaments, 36, 32, 32, 36, yeah. 32 and, uh, and 14 at largest, I think. So really, really hard, really hard. Really hard. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple of others, uh, Robbie Church. The yeah, yeah. Duke comes in at number nine seed, yeah. right? And uh, Nikki is O'Brown in West Virginia. Yeah, so Nikki is uh, number five, right? Just outside so, the number, those top number ones, kind of. So yeah, so we, we have had a good a good number of uh, of people on the show that have done quite well. And and again, congratulations to uh, to all of the teams that that were selected. It is uh, it is difficult to get in. Um, you know, you gotta, you gotta win your league, your, your league tournament, which is difficult. And if you don't, then you gotta have a really, really good season. And, um, and so, you know, good for everybody who's, who's involved. Absolutely. You know, a, a couple just highlights from the selection weekend that I can share, and, and we'll probably get into this more with Clifton, but we were able to seed 48. So we, we didn't, we can't, obviously we didn't seed one through 48, but we were able to seed all 48 teams, if that makes sense. So we kind of had them in groups, pods of four and um, I feel really good about us getting the matchups really, really um, accurate, as accurate as the tournament's ever going to be, we hope, in the history of this, because hopefully it's the only time we have 48 um, because yeah. of the pandemic. But we did, we're luckily able to get all, well, we felt pretty close to a one through 48 um, right. group, which is, is great. And obviously the 16 get a bye. So that's a pretty important 16 teams for sure. Right. Yeah. All right. Well, what do you think we bring Brian in? Yeah, let's do it. Um, we'll just call him Brian today, Chris. Right? We're changing this up. Let's just call him Brian. That's kind of crazy, yeah, isn't it? Week. But Brian, con- yes, congratulations on a uh, another championship. And Chris, let me just say this about the Rice Owls—a really interesting stat. Do you know in their entire season, I believe they're twelve, two, and one. Brian, is that right? Or twelve and two? We've won twelve games. I know that. I don't know about the two and I think two it's or 12, two, two and, and one. Twelve, two, and one. Remember it is. Chris, they have not given up a goal in the second half of a game all season. Huh. That's coaching. I believe I agree with that. That is coaching. Yeah. And that's why we have the Conference USA Coach of the Year, the, the champ joining <laughs> the regular us. Regular season champ. The, I mean, regular season every champ. Every week we got to say congratulations, Brian. Congratulations, Brian. Congratulations. Yeah, I know. Gets a little old. And, and remember, he self-reclaimed himself the big deal yes. at the beginning of this podcast. He knew what he's talking about, yeah. All right, let's yeah, well, get into it, it, shall we? Oh, go ahead. I'm, I'm going to say that that was tongue in cheek when yeah, I said that. Of course. But, um, if you got to run with it, you got to run with it. And the, uh, I swear, I did not know. I was watching the ESPN digital replay of our final, and the guy says, You know, Rice hasn't given up a goal in the second half all season. And I texted my assistant coach who would track those things, Travis. And I said, he just said we haven't given up a goal in the second half all year. Is that true? That doesn't seem like that could be. And and it, it was true. So go figure. Awesome. Um, this, is what's, this is what's interesting to me, Chris, and I don't want to get on too many tangents. But I watched a lot of rice soccer this year, right? I support my buddy, paid yeah. for the Conference USA uh, package. And every one of Rice's games, there's no commentator, no no play by play, no color, no no. Well, late in the year, they finally got the scoreboard on or whatever, <laughs> until the tournament. 
Then yeah. when the tournament comes, it's one of the best announcers, if they not the best to... announcer in the entire country. Yeah, they were going. I'm like, to... where's this? Yeah, where's this guy been? Yeah. So I'm like, Brian, you know, loosen up the purse strings and hire him on oh, for my. your home games, for God's oh, sakes. My. Yeah, he was Good. awesome. He's Houston he based was. and he does uh, CONCACAF games. Uh, he was really, really good. I mean, who knew? I didn't know we hadn't given up a goal all year in the second half, and he knew. So this guy doing research, so, doing his homework. That is impressive. right. Go figure. Yeah. Go figure. Yeah. All right, let's talk about some of these uh, tournaments that went on, Brian. I know we were all we were all watching these things and and closely, and you know, trying to get a sense of the teams and and things like that. So I want to start in the Big Ten, which is you know the biggest upset out there, right? With with Iowa winning. What was your sense of the Big Ten tournament? Well, you know, it, they call it the Big Ten. I thought that was a big deal for everybody. Um, you know, full credit to Iowa. I, I like Dave Delaney a ton at what he's done there. And I didn't see that coming by any stretch. No you know, the the upset of Penn State, unbelievable. Uh, you know, shocking. They For me, they moved – the Big Ten was so hard for the committee, and, and Matt could speak better on that. But if you don't play any non-conference games, how are we supposed to judge you? And, you know, I thought going into the tournament, Wisconsin just needed to make the final, you know, to be an NCAA tournament team, but not if they're going to play Iowa in the final. And um, when they got there, that became a real playing game. That's the, you know, basketball has their first four, and and I thought, that game and, you know, and in all honesty, I thought the Rice game against Charlotte, those were two games where Rice and Wisconsin needed to win to get in for sure. And, uh, you know, basically playing games. And, and I didn't think Iowa could do it again, but full credit to them. They did. And, you know, I watched the game. I thought it was pretty deserved. I don't know about you guys, if you saw the game for or sure. not, but sure. I mean, they, didn't, um, they didn't give up goals, right? I mean, that, that was it for them. They didn't give up goals. Yeah. And, you know, the story of the season is goalkeeper mistakes. And you know, yeah. their winner went right through the hands of the Wisconsin yes, goalkeeper. Absolutely. And if you can't get the goal to negate it, you know, you're going to pay for that. And and Wisconsin did. So, you know, but the bigger picture to me, that's what's great about these tournaments is someone like Iowa can make a run. This is college sports 101. You know, you can complain and say, hey, regular season champs should get bids and this or that. But the college – you know, atmosphere and those, those tournaments are something that's ingrained in NCAA, all sports. And I, I thought it was awesome. Loved yeah. it. I was cheering Iowa the whole way. For sure. How about out of like the uh, Big East and the uh, Atlantic 10? Anything there that, that you saw that, that stood out for you? Well, number one, the A-10. I thought St. Louis would be dominant and, and that conference tournament really played out that way. You know, that they were significantly better in the rest of the league and they were able to grind out wins when they needed to in their tournament. And the Big East is so interesting as well with their their pod format during the regular season. You didn't know about Georgetown. You didn't know about um, Butler, uh, Creighton, those teams. And you didn't know about Connecticut. And I thought the best two teams played in the final. And yeah. Butler had to win that game to get in. And I thought it was a great game. Watch that one as well. Georgetown – to the eye test, they are very, very good. Um, but they haven't, haven't played anybody, you know, top-level NCAA teams. So, in the end, that probably hurt Butler's chances to get in um, because Georgetown didn't have necessarily any wins to speak of. But, I, you know, same thing. I thought that was a really good game. Overtime win by Georgetown uh, to get themselves the automatic bid and safely get in. And in this year, you know, Georgetown's a bubble team if they lose that. And then they're going to bounce to a seed if they win it. It's just the way it is in 2021. Let, let me say, let me let me chime in here for a second. So the A10 final, I think, was really interesting with St. St. Louis and Davidson, right? And the one thing that St. Louis really couldn't have happen was Davidson steal a goal, and they hit a cracker from like 40 yards in the first half. And then Davidson, a lot of credit to him, they fought and they sat in really deep, and they made it super hard for St. Louis. But I think what we've seen through the years is how Good a job uh, Katie's done at St. Louis, number one. And number two, those kids just they, – they, they, I watched the whole game. Second, you know, they got one taken back from them in the first half, which would have tied at 1-1. And, uh, and then – and I don't think that was a good call, quite honestly. And then in the second half, they get a penalty. So it's 1-1, and I think, okay, here come the floodgates, right? It took St. Louis to the last minute. One of the, one of the only chances they had in the second half 
to win it. And so you give credit to Davidson, but I think more more so, I mean, St. Louis is 15-1. and one. Their only loss is to Oklahoma State in a game that was pretty even. And um, St. Louis is a very good team, yeah. a very good team, because so many of those teams, Chris, would lose that game, I, right? They wouldn't be able to. They wouldn't be able to handle it. They wouldn't have the composure or kind of the character after winning 15. They'd start to panic a little bit. And that, I mean, you got to give them credit. It was a, it was a great finish. I was actually on the plane watching it and I pumped my fist because it was such a great goal. Yeah, it was. So, and people around me were like, what the heck is this guy yeah. doing? But anyway, good for St. Louis. Yeah. Um, and the American, you know, USF dominant after the upset, you know, Memphis gets upset by Cincinnati. You know, and that's tournament soccer as well. You know, Cincinnati had a strong finish to the season. They started the year pretty poorly. You know, it's the same thing as uh, we talk about a lot, though. Getting better through the course of the year, uh, you know, that's coaching. And Cincinnati had done that. And I didn't think if you watch the 90 minutes, I would call that an upset against Memphis. I I thought um, those two teams were pretty equal on the day. Uh, But certainly – fortunate for South Florida to, to see Memphis or see Cincinnati instead of Memphis in the final, but then you got to do the job on the day and, and South Florida did. Four nil. Yeah. Dominant for sure. And then uh, just a, a couple other matches. That I think we should highlight a little bit. Um, USC and UCLA and, you know, in a battle for, you know, for a seed, uh, a high seed there ended up in a draw. Um, Arizona and Arizona state really, you know, that was a, a, a tough decision for the committee, especially after Arizona beat Arizona State for, for the second time on the year. And then TCU took care of business against Notre Dame. Well, that win for TCU, that's the big one of those three. You know, for me, that clinched the number one seed and a very deserved number one seed for TCU for, for the fall and the spring. You know, a lot of teams who did well in the fall faded a little in the spring. And, you know, TCU may have had the – the hiccup at A&M, but righted themselves. And, you know, they certainly approached the spring with, hey, we're going to play all comers and we're going to try and be the number one seed. We're not going to sit back on a Big 12 championship and and hope we get seeded. They went and played teams. And Notre Dame, for me, they're getting in the tournament if they win that game. Yeah, you know, I really think so. You know, that, that good a win – um, would have propelled them. So I'm certain TCU got their best effort. And uh, that's a deserved one seed for TCU coming out of that. And Arizona, it might be hard justice to beat Arizona State twice and see Arizona State in the field and them not. But don't forget Arizona State beat UCLA. You know, and that that's – they're clearly USC. three top teams. And USC. And USC, who's a, you know, legit number two seed. Um, so in the end, I thought the committee got that right – Although that that's hard for the committee to do to take a team that lost twice to another team and might be on the bubble, but I thought Arizona State was a little more deserving than Arizona of that last bid. Totally agree. Totally agree. All right, good. So uh, Brian, we're going to have you step out as we uh, bring uh, Clifton in, and then we're going to come back to you. So if you hang in there, go get yourself some edamame. Um, <laughs> we'll be back. Hummus, hummus, Chris. He likes the hummus too. It's, yeah, I go uh, back and forth. Hummus one day, Adamame the next. Well, and 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 just to be transparent, Chris Clifton does work in Conference USA, and Brian's uh, Brian's region, so he he knows Clifton as well. So yeah, any I need words on to Clifton, Brian? Uh, Clifton's awesome. You know, I think he, you know, he's got a super bright future, and I I think a lot of times if you look at uh, people moving up through the ranks of the NCAA, sports like ours are a stepping stone to bigger and better things. That's the honesty of it. And, you know, Clifton's a pretty young guy from an administrative standpoint, and he's done a great job. We love him in Conference USA. I mean, he's everything you'd want an administrator. And whether he ends up being an AD or heading a conference or working for the NCAA, wherever his path leads, um, that's a good man and and someone I am very, very comfortable heading our uh, women's soccer selection uh, committee. Great integrity good person open to different views and very uh well-rounded so i can't wait to hear what he's got to say about this because in the end poor guy he's the one who's got to answer to it but this is the best year of the committee ever i i thought they did a great job and i i don't usually i'll argue about two or three selections and this year i thought they were spot on okay thanks brian we'll okay. cut we'll check you here in a little bit
All right, Chris, very excited to bring in uh, Clifton Douglas, who is an assistant commissioner uh, with Conference USA. And um, he is also, you know, to us, more importantly, the chairman of the NCAA Women's Soccer Committee. Uh, and, and over the last couple of years, become uh, a good buddy of mine uh, as we serve on that committee together. Uh, so Clifton, welcome to uh, College Soccer Nation. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Chris and Matt. I will no say, this, Clifton, I, I, I want to say something. I, I'm your... Uh... You know your your decisions. I'm sure on on the committee are really good, but I have to question. You know, you becoming Matt's buddy like that. That one, I don't know if that's such a great decision. Well, I I think it was. Uh, I I feel like me and Matt are kind of kindred spirits. We we really we really bonded last year over uh over uh in uh during the college cup. So talked a, a lot about some television, some non soccer things, and. Uh, uh -huh got along really well we really hit it off so Chris, he, he, I don't know if you're going to turn me on that one he's uh well, here's the thing Chris him he, him and I this is not going to surprise you at all Chris but him and I on a very late night after one of the one of the tournament games there was this carnival going on outside of our hotel and we went and found a nice hot dog and we got caught up <laughs> it was raining a little bit but we wanted a hot dog we got caught up in a fight of the carnies <laughs> Mama Carney was not happy with the sun, and it was it was on. Oh, and Clifton and I were just sitting there. That's a nice Matt right there. <laughs> yeah. it, it was very exciting. It was a light drizzle, but not too bad to keep us from standing there and just letting it watching yeah. it all flow. <laughs> it was awesome. something. All right, well, let's get going. I'm going to ask you your first question, uh, Clifton. Again, this is going to focus mainly on on the selections and, and the tournament that we're all very excited about, but. Um, just talk through, just so people are kind of clear, what, what is your role or how is your role as the chairman? What is, what is that like? So my role as the chair of the committee um, is really just to serve as um, a servant to the committee and, and, and that liaison between the NCAA and the rest of the group. So um, a lot of conversations just detailing what operations will be, um, what our meetings will be structured like and, and what we can expect as a group um, and really just to relay feedback to the NCAA on how the committee's feeling on certain items or if they just need a quick response on our thoughts or um, the process or how we feel about it, they'll bounce some ideas off of me. And I'm there just to kind of act as the middleman and, and also just to help um, facilitate meetings with the group. Um, can you, um, I know this was a different year, obviously, right? I mean, it's a smaller tournament, um, all the yep. issues with COVID travel, you know, lack of games, things like that. How this year did you sort these teams out, differentiate teams compared to years in the past? All right. So, Chris, I, I won't even uh, – I won't sugarcoat it. It was tough. It was really tough. Um, of course, with a, a smaller bracket this year, we only selected 48 teams, um, only 19 at-large positions to, to fill – we, we knew it was going to be tough going in just to fill those spots. But then on top of that, losing the RPI as a, as a tool that we lean on pretty heavily in a regular year to kind of measure teams from strength of schedule to um, their opponents and, and a lot fewer um, games this year, a lot fewer non-conference games. It was really tough. Um, but I think we, we found different ways to kind of critique teams um, based on their schedules and, and their overall bodies of work that was, um, and we and we have a set of values that we hold dear. And, and to be honest with you, I think the committee was um, pretty consistent in, in how we compared teams and their records. Um, and when we could find ways to critique teams and kind of measure them against each other, we definitely took those opportunities as much as we could. When you when you say you have a, a, a sort of a set of values that you know that you go by, can you share those with us? Well, I think I think usually um, it's really just like overall body of work. Um, in a normal year, we might look at strength of schedule and things like that, but this year we also leaned on the rack a lot. So um, where you can't, we weren't able to just lean on strictly RPI or. Um, totally just look at non-conference opportunities. So we leaned a lot on what conference games look like. Um, we looked at head-to-head -head matchups, but then we also, again, had some opportunities where we could look at non-conference matchups as well um, for those who did play um, non-conference games. So any opportunity to look at a, at a common opponent was used 
Um, and again, um, when it came down to it, it was overall body of work and, and every aspect that we could apply, we did. Yeah, and just to be just to be clear for our listeners, the RAC is the Regional Advisory Committee that's made up by, of one person from each conference in the country. So that is broken up into five different regions. So there's the, you know, Clifton chairs the South Committee, I chair the Southeast Committee, there's a West Committee, a Midwest Committee, and an East Committee. And all of the conferences are broken up in those racks. So we had people, you know, my, my committee had five plus me. Uh, I think everybody was close to that or maybe a few more here and there, but every conference was represented on that rack. And that, and that was a, a certainly an important piece to this for sure, right, Clifton? No, definitely. And these are these are groups that are made up of coaches. And um, and to be honest with you, it's, it's a pretty solid group of guys who just love to watch soccer. Um, and I, in, in my in the South region, I think we, we cover all of our conferences that we have conversations with. These are guys that are very, very detail oriented and they look at a lot of information, not just um, on a weekly basis, but these are guys who are watching games almost every day, um, along with coaching and playing some of these teams that are in their region. So they have that that head to head and they've seen teams in person along with um, the data information that we do have from non-conference contests. Yeah, so I'm gonna move on to my next question, Clifton. So um, how did we come about with North Carolina as the kind of site for all of these games, all the, the state of North Carolina? So we were scheduled, um, I think, to go to, to carry for the College Cup. And I, I think when we went out to bid, um, just for the regional sites in the normal year, um, typically, Cary has, has uh, done a pretty good job, and they get a lot of support in the area from a hosting standpoint. So, they we got a lot of feedback from that group just about the interest and and the ability to host with the all of the sites that they have around the area who are used to hosting large soccer events. So, the NCAA went to um, a few different places and and asked about their interest in hosting. Um, I think when the NCAA started having conversations about hosting the basketball tournament in, in one centralized location. They started to explore that option with a lot of a lot of their Olympic sports as well. So Cary just made sense. Um, that's where it was going to we were going to have the College Cup. So they decided to look at North Carolina as, as an option just to have all teams in the in the area. So. I think they they worked with a lot of different hosts. There's going to be a lot of facilities. Um, a lot of fields in the area that they're going to use, but North Carolina made the most sense for the 2020 year. Yeah. And I think the other piece of that is um, less travel, right? So once you get to North Carolina in the tournament, you're staying in North Carolina, you know, you may have to switch hotels or, or drive a few hours after a site, but for the most part, you're going to stay right there in Raleigh and the surrounding areas, which I think will is definitely cuts down on teams traveling and, and certainly trying to avoid the, avoid getting any kind of COVID. So, yeah. Right. Good. I think cutting out as much commercial travel as possible um, and the possible transmission of, of COVID-19 was, was a huge um, factor in making that decision. So cutting, cutting out a lot of flights. Um, once teams get to North Carolina, they won't have to fly. They'll just be maybe some short bus trips to and from different locations. Um, and then also having centrally located testing facilities as well. Um, was a, a huge factor in that decision. Now, I, there's just the one one thing about that. Was there, um, and maybe you were involved in it, maybe you weren't, but were there people who actually went out to the sites and looked at, you know, what's the field look like, what's the stadium look like, things like that? I mean, was that something that that's something that's done by the NCAA staff, or like, or was it done at all? What, do you know? Yeah, so there there were some side business myself personally. I didn't go on any um, NCAA staff did lean on that, and I think they had some site reps they've worked with in the past who have been to um, a lot of the facilities that they that they are working with. Um, so some of the NCAA staff went out there, but then they also leaned on some contacts that they had in the area. Yeah, great. Um, I want to get back to uh, a selection a little bit again, um, and again. Um, because these are the kind of things that, that that popped up for me. Like, you guys are sitting in a room, and you have to differentiate between teams in conferences that played no out of conference games. So let's uh, just throw these throw these out, um, and and not specific teams, but 
let's say the Big East compared to the Big Ten, right? Both of those leagues played conference only. Um, and I don't even believe that they played everybody in their conferences. Um, so now when you're in selection and trying to get those 19 at large, and, and let's say you're down to two or three left over, and you're comparing a team from, from the Big East to a team from the Big Ten, I mean, can you even do that? Like, how does that, how does that happen? Yeah, no, uh, again, with that, um, those conversations were really tough. So I, I think we, that's where we had to rely a lot on our regional advisory committees just to give us feedback on those teams. Um, also staying up to date with um, what, what they've done recently, keeping up with their, their contest in conference where they fell in the conference as well. Um, but again, that it was really, really tough. And we had to rely a lot on the rack in, in instances like that where we don't have a lot of head-to-head matchups. And, and again, it, it's tough to assess a, a conference in any given year. Um, and, and essentially, but, you know, especially with the changes that we see from year to year um, within a conference, um, those racks were really helpful with breaking that information down. Um, okay, Clifton, shifting just a little bit. Um, how, and this is, I think, an interesting part, um, another, another, another first for the tournament. How will the, uh, how will the event mesh with the men? So right now, having it in centrally located in North Carolina is going to be very interesting. I think um, one, I think having the men's tournament there is is also going to assist and bring possibly bring some fans to the uh, women's college cup that they normally wouldn't have who typically focus on men's soccer. So I think it'll be very interesting to have them both there. Um, the facilities that we're using, there is, we are going to be hosting men's and women's events at the site. So, Typically, we won't play on the same days. Um, so there will be days where men will be competing. There will be days that women will be competing in, in certain facilities. Um, and then there will be days where neither team will be necessarily competing um, just to help with some practice and logistics and testing and different things like that that we have to get on, um, make sure that we check the boxes on as well. But um, essentially, it'll be having both both championships at the same site playing at different days and um, kind of working together to, to weave into both college cups. Yeah, I, I don't know, uh, Clifton, if, if this is uh, off limits and you can tell me if it is, um, but I, I wanted to ask about some teams that maybe were close at the end, you know, and, you know, from, from my point of view, you know, somebody like Auburn was close at the end. Um, I, I think Arizona had to be a tough decision because of their two wins over Arizona State, you know, like teams at, at the end that were close. Were there were there some teams there and um, at the end? And, and are you willing to share with us, like, you know, who they might have been? Yeah. So there were there were definitely some teams that were very close. Um, I will say this: we did not leave any stone unturned. Um, unturned. We talked about a lot of teams. I I couldn't name all of them if I if I tried right now off the top of my head. But <laughs> we looked at a lot of team sheets, um, discussed a lot of teams, and a lot of a lot of comparisons um, on, especially in the, the first two days. Um, and I, I think um, we, we went pretty late in the first night, um, I think past midnight discussing teams and actually had to take a break just to come back to it in the morning um, and rehash out some of that information. Um, but I, I'll refrain from, from naming names right now, yeah. but uh there, there was definitely a lot of conversations about a lot of teams um, across a lot of conferences yeah. who, uh, at, at the same time, in any given year, um, if we had a few more spots, would have gotten in and would have done, would have done well in the tournament. But unfortunately, we just ran out of, we ran out of opportunities to, um, and spots in the bracket. So earlier in the, um, earlier Matt had, had talked about, um, you know, when his team was, was being discussed, he had to go in his own room. Uh, and sit in that room and just one thing like if this comes up again and you have Matt you can't send him in a room without food okay you gotta have a pizza <laughs> for him or something you can't you know he was Matt, excellent, he was point. excellent point <laughs> excellent point Chris uh, uh Clifton Chris asked me if I could order a pizza when I was in there and I was like if there was a way I could get a pizza in here I would have 100% do that <laughs> uh, 
Matt, Matt brought his own snacks. He, he just forgot to take them with him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, all right, Clifton, one more for me. So um, I think one of the, one of the really interesting things is, is um, this tournament again, is so different, but we were really able to put, um, you know, the, the matchups together that made sense that we're, we're struggle. We struggle with that in other years with, with the, the issue with, you know, location and, and having to, uh, having to match up teams based on geography this year, we were really able to match up teams, you know, kind of one through 48 and get maybe the truest tournament we've ever had. So just talk about that process a little bit, if you wouldn't mind. So that, that was exciting. Um, I think that was probably the most enjoyable part of, of the, of the process this year was actually piecing together the bracket. Once we had the teams um, all locked in on who was getting in. So, of, of course, normally we would have this constraints with the regional hosts and we would have to keep teams um, in their region just due to travel costs. Um, and that's an NCAA mandate that they have come from the top down um, that you kind of have to stay regional in the first couple of rounds. So this year with everybody being in North Carolina, um, they kind of took the uh, took the handcuffs off a little bit and we were able to, to be a little bit more creative. And I think as we went down, you know, um, breaking teams down and analyzing teams there, we had them in certain groupings anyway. So we were able to um, one of avoid conference matchups, but then we were also able to, to put together some contests with teams that you normally wouldn't see in any given year one, because they might be across the country from each other, but then also they just might not have any interest in playing each other um, in, in non-conference. So you're going to see some matchups in the first and, and, possibly the second round that you wouldn't see in a normal year. We might have some teams, I believe, Matt, that have probably never played each other. That's right. Um, and, and, and I think it's really going to be exciting. Um, it's going to create some matchups that are new. Um, it's a lot of talent that's going to be displayed um, with a shorter bracket. I think games are going to mean more from the beginning of the tournament um, rather than as the rounds progress. And, and the committee was really excited about having that opportunity that, to be honest with you, we might not have in the future if we um, go back to our normal process. Sure. Yeah. What's, um, how did you decide, you know, for example, I know Ole Miss is, is in uh, Wilmington. How did you decide who went where? Were there any guidelines involved in that? So a, a little bit. We um, we wanted just to make sure that that teams um, it was as much a level playing field as possible. Um, so we wanted teams to go to locations and and be able to compete and feel comfortable and and no one's going to have like a home field advantage, so to speak. So I think that it was important for us to um, make sure teams had a level playing field and and they were all uh, able to compete and. It, as much balance as possible. Um, now, given you're, you're going to have some, you're going to have a, a couple of our hosts that are competing in it. And I think they're probably from a, a fan standpoint, probably going to have a, a, a larger fan base given the capacity of whatever venue they're competing in. Um, but, but again, I think it's, this is probably going to be the most balanced tournament that we've, that we've seen. Great. Perfect. Um, anything else, Clifton, you want to talk about with the tournament? Again, I would just say this, Chris, I, I, I think um, obviously I'm biased, but I thought the committee did a fantastic job putting together a, a field in one of the most challenging years. Obviously, we've talked about that a lot. And we we did. We spent hours. We worked really hard. We were up past midnight and then right back at it the next morning. Um, not to mention, you know, from the start of the season forward, we've met every week or every other week, um, you know, people that you know, I had someone say to me, um, well, this team didn't beat anybody in the top 25. Well, well, what top 25 are they looking at? Yeah. Right. There was no RPI top 25. We don't use any public top 25s. Um, so so the, those kind of comments just aren't valid because right. we looked we looked at the sheets and we we analyzed it the best we could. And I thought the the 10 people uh, did a great job. And, and Clifton was certainly an excellent leader for us. You know, no, I, I, I think it's, it was really tough, um, you know, because you are going to hear that. You're going to hear, like, uh, you're going to get those arguments. We were this number in, in the RPI. Um, yeah. We had this many wins and different things like that. So, again, it, it was really tough just to kind of weed some of those out. Um, but at the end of the day, I think um, the committee did a good job of, of balancing um, what was important. And we got the teams that 
um, are are there um, for a reason at the end of the season and, and that are very talented teams and are going to be able to compete at a high level. Um, and again, I, I'll send it back and talk about our regional advisory committee because they were very instrumental in, in alerting us to teams um, that are deserving in all of those regions, again, across every conference in the country. Um, and I think that we were very close, if not exactly um, dead set in the making sure we got those teams in. I think there might have been some differences in um, their rankings, um, but then also um, some of those late games came into play as well in some conference tournaments and things like that. So um, we, we were very close and, and um, paid a lot of a lot of attention to to that information. Well, I want to, uh, on behalf of uh, College Soccer Nation, I just want to thank you for the work that you, that you guys did. And um, I feel like you, you, I agree with you guys. It's a, it's a really exciting tournament. I think you put together a good group. Um, I think the matchups are, are, are spot on. Um, and uh, I know it's a lot of work. So again, th thanks for all the work you guys did. Well, it was my pleasure. Uh, Clifton, are you are you off on vacation on the big paycheck you get for uh, for doing this? <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't. Um, if the check's in the mail, it, I think it, it might have gotten lost. <laughs> I, I haven't got that yet. Uh, for me, so all work and no play. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Now, hey, in, in, you know, you, since you're at Conference USA, like, you, you, is that Brian Lee guy? Is he kind of a pain in the butt? Is he always like calling the office and complaining about this and complaining about that? Is that you know you got to deal with him? No, Brian. Brian's great. Um, Brian actually um, served on Iraq this year as well, um, and he's he he helps a lot just consistently. When I, I bounce, he's one of the guys I can bounce ideas off of. He's very thoughtful, and he's a great coach. Did a great job with Rice this year. He did. Um, happy he to did. See them back in the he top did. of the league. Yeah. Yeah, well, he's on this show with us every week, Clifton. So that's why we're giving him a hard time, obviously. So, gotcha. well, listen, thanks so much so for coming I, on, Clifton. So did no, I? No, no. <laughs> no, he'll be on after you. Don't worry. So, all right, uh, all right Clifton. Thanks so much. Appreciate it, man. We'll see you. Thank uh, you. We'll see you in a couple of weeks. That sounds good. Have a good one. Right, thanks, thanks, Clifton. All right, Chris. That was great with Clifton. What a what a great guy he is, um, and and doing a fantastic job for our for our sport and our committee and. Uh, we appreciate him being on for sure. Yeah, yeah, I, I thought he was outstanding. Um, all right, so now in this segment, we're gonna we're gonna jump in with Brian. Uh, bring Brian back in. Brian, you're with us, right? I'm here. Let's okay. do this. Let's let's. Uh, we're gonna preview the first round games, Chris. Right, and kind of all three of us joining in. Some maybe not. Some you know, some games are are maybe we don't, we spend more time than not. So um, um, these will be the first round games. Um, on April 27th and 28th, right? Correct. So I will give the time and the team, and then we kind of discuss it. Oh, Good? Okay, the time. Good. Yeah, yeah, I got it all. All right, so first up in uh, in the Florida State uh, group, Elon, 6-3 and three, <clears throat> against Milwaukee, 8-1-1, one and, one, and that is at 3 p.m. on April 28th. Yeah, interesting matchup, I think. Uh, Milwaukee, like, traditionally has been – has been pretty good, but Elon has come on here lately. And uh, for me, that that's about a pick em game. I think for sure it's, it's a super, you know, obviously this is the 32, 33 game. We're talking roughly give or take a spot, Yeah, you, at, for, yeah. you know, for the right to play FSU, but arguably the most competitive first round game, Elon coming out of the colonial traditionally right outside, you know, the, the not the power five, but the next two or three leagues and to, to win the colonial that's traditionally a really strong league. Um, but coming up against Milwaukee who might not be as strong as they normally are, you know, they've had a few hiccups that they don't normally have. Um, but that's one of your mid-level traditional powers, but I couldn't agree anymore. That is a total toss up, um, for who comes through to, you know, and their season when they play well, FSU. Elon's clearly hot, right? They knocked off High Point, um, who was undefeated and rolling yeah. in that league. Yeah. Um, so they're roll, they're Point, they're hot. Yeah, yeah. High Point's Campbell. Oh, Campbell, Campbell. Yeah. Sorry, is that Hofstra? Yeah. 
Yeah, Hofstra, Hofstra is Hofstra they have, Hofstra. Yes. Yeah. Sorry, I, I keep I screw up Hofstra and High Point all the time. That's not me, Brian. That's my fault. Maybe I should just That's shut up. Right. But a Hofstra, <laughs> Hofstra, Elon. I mean, Hofstra was a team that was rolling, right? And does and, every year. And a, a legit at-large candidate, right? Yes, that's right. That's they were right. in the mix. Yep. So, yep. Yep. All right, let's go on. Game number two, Penn State, Alabama State. This is the SWAC versus the Big Ten. That's a we don't have to talk about a Penn State. Yeah, easy. it's going to be tough. 17-48. Here, here's the thing with that game, though, real briefly. Would you rather play that game and have like a little warm-up if you're the 17, right? Because clearly Penn State's the 17, the first team out of the seeds. Or would you rather be Vanderbilt sitting and waiting? You want the game under your belt against Alabama State and play your way in? Or do you want to wait and see what happens? What's yeah. your choice, Chris? I want the game because um, my best players are going to play 45 minutes. Be a nice little workout for them. Yeah, and, and you've you're in the you're in the tournament. You know, you've already played. You got confidence. All of that. Yep. You're Vanderbilt. You're sitting back. You're a little nervous. You don't quite know. Yep. I, I think that's a real argument, and yeah. I, I kind of I side on your side of that as well. Advantage Penn State against Vanderbilt. Yep. The problem with Vanderbilt too is like. That's the first meaningful game they've. I mean, they played Duke a couple weeks ago, but a, a meaningful game where it really matters. Yeah, um, it's tricky. So, okay, let's keep moving. Uh, Arizona State, Siena, eight. And five, oh, sorry, Penn State game is seven p.m. on April twenty eighth. Um, at, at Wake Medfield four, by the way, Arizona State is at noon on April twenty eighth versus Siena. So early game time for Arizona State against Siena. Um, on that noon game. What do you got? Won't matter. Won't matter. Arizona State will win. Siena had a nice little run, but I mean, any team that can beat UCLA and, and USC, I, I think they're going to be okay against Siena. Okay. I, I agree. You know, if you have the big time forward, which Arizona State has, it, it's hard to get upset in the first round when you're overmatching your opponent. Yeah. All right. That So that game's at noon on April 27th. All right. Down to Wilmington we go in the Ole Miss Rebels versus Bowling Green. Um, that is at 6 p.m. on April 27th. Um, I'll start with this one. <laughs> uh, I'm looking forward to playing them, and I'm looking forward to playing them because we've never played them. I'm not sure we've ever even played anybody in their league. So, you know, one of the things we looked at with the with the, with the um, the bracket was, can we play some teams that never play each other, right? And, and you know, we don't have to have the Santa Clara versus Cal games and those games because of location. So this is an exciting game for us, and I think Bowling Green's a good team and um, excited to, to match up against them um, next Tuesday. And I think uh, certainly I, I'm going to give Ole Miss the edge here. And, and you know, when you have um, a big-time goalkeeper, a goal scorer, um, someone in midfield who can head the ball and someone who can throw the ball in long, you've got the formula to win a lot of games in women's soccer and and that's what, you know, what your group at Ole Miss has. All right. Yeah, good. I agree. Yep, good. Yep. Let's keep rolling. Next one, um, 3 p.m. on April 28th down. This is at Wake Midfield 2. Uh, Rice Owls versus the Furman Paladins. Um, Chris? Well, Brian, this is, uh, this is kind of bittersweet for you, yeah? Well, I mean, it's, it's awesome, I think. You know, it's coached at Furman. That's right. How long at Furman, Brian? Gee, it's been a while now. Uh, Eleven years, I think, is is what it was. Started the program in your your alma mater. That is my alma mater. Absolutely, it's it's super intriguing. You know, sometimes you watch the basketball bracket come out, and you always think they fix things a little right for TV and entertainment Mm -hmm. value. And I don't think we do that for soccer, and especially this year. I think the teams were seeded one to forty-eight. And we were at one seed and Furman is another, and we happened to match up. But, you know, they're coached by my old assistant who, when he took over from me, I didn't think he'd be there 20 years later, and uh, Andrew Burr. And, you know, he certainly progressed the program and done a fantastic job with them and kept them as a consistent power in, in the Southern Conference. So it's special for me in that, you know, a lot of times if you, you know, you win, you feel great. And if you lose, you don't really care about the other person. I don't know them. But – you know, either way, that one's a win for me. I'd be happy to see them advance. I'd be more happy to see Rice <laughs> advance for sure. So 
I can't I can't wait. I, I loved it when I heard about this. This you, is you know uh, you know what we didn't do real quick, Chris, just to go back a little bit. Arizona State Siena plays Duke and then Ole Miss Bowling Green plays Southern Cal and then Rice Furman plays West Virginia the winner plays West Virginia. So just let's keep that rolling. Um but go ahead, Chris. Sorry. Well this this Rice Furman game is um is going to be a tight one and it's going to come down to a goal from the Rice goalkeeper. Uh, <laughs> so I'm going one nil for uh for Rice on the one. Well, we're made I, for TV. I will say that. We I, I would say TV. this. Uh, I would say this. The uh, the mess that Andrew had to pick up and clean up after Brian <laughs> left has taken him quite a while, but certainly he's done a a, a, a good job with that group. Yeah. So, okay. Well, full, uh, full credit to Andrew, by the way, because life in the Southern Conference is a little more a little more complicated than it was when I left. So sure. good for him. Okay, let's keep moving. Uh, next one. Um, this goes into the BYU bracket. It's at 7 p.m. on, on April 28th. Virginia Cavaliers versus SIUE. Um, tough game for them, for sure. Yeah, I, I mean, you got the, Virginia just has way too much talent. I mean, that's a that's a Virginia win. Um, now, again, I, I Virginia hasn't been great this spring, but I think they certainly have enough to win this game. Well, I think that if they were able to advance, right, and I'm not saying they're going to for sure, but if they do – Virginia BYU is a humdinger in that next it round. Is. That's it a is. good game. That's going to be really interesting. Matt, you can say that if you want to be politically correct. Virginia is going to advance. If they lose to SIUE, that's the greatest upset in the history of college women's soccer in the NCAA Don't tournament. Yeah. Okay. But that said, that, that oh. second game's a cracker versus BYU. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. For BYU. Yeah. All right. Uh, down in the bottom here, uh, those games are at White Medfield two. Now we're at Gillette Field one. South Carolina versus Montana. The winner gets the number thirteen seed, Georgetown Hoyas. Thoughts yeah, on this the, one? I, I, this one, this one might be closer than you think. Um, I think South Carolina, a little bit of a struggle to score goals. Um, always difficult to score against, but a little bit of a struggle to score goal. And uh, you know, and Montana's a good team. Um, so I'm not. I don't know that I'm calling for an upset. I'm just saying that I think this one's going to be a little closer than you might think when you look at the names of, uh, on the jersey. So there's a chance it could be one nothing South Carolina. There's a good chance, <laughs> <laughs> and so might the next round against Georgetown. But yeah, I agree. Yeah. Okay. Uh, a good game here. Uh, uh, New Mexico versus Navy, 6 p.m. on the 27th again at Gillette and Wilson. Um, Winner gets the number uh, the number four seed TCU. Um, thoughts on on New Mexico and Navy? I think we all think New Mexico is a good team, and you know we've watched uh, all of us have watched New Mexico and and have been impressed with them. And and Navy's always hard to beat. You know you you know those kids are tough, and mm-hmm. uh, Karen does such a good job there. But uh, I really like New Mexico. The Navy kids never don't show up. Number yeah. one, they're just it's it's built in them. It's who they are. But New Mexico gives up a goal with six seconds to go to get to the tournament and then wins in overtime. That's impressive. That's impressive. They're a good team. They're they're fast and they're tough. I was really impressed with them on uh, on Saturday night. Navy's one of the teams, you know, they've been in lockdown a few times with COVID. That'd be Mm -hmm. a little bit interesting. They haven't been able to train that much. but that that's the first round matchup for me. That's the the best matchup. I can't wait to see what happens in in that one. I got one a little better, a little later, I think. Better than that one. But that is a good one. Yep. All right. Let's keep rolling over to the other bracket, other side of the bracket now on uh, 3 p.m. April 27th. This is at Campbell University, Iowa, the uh the exciting Iowa uh Hawkeyes versus Campbell Camels. So that is 3 p.m. April 27th. The winner gets the Bruins from UCLA. So you're telling me that Campbell is playing at home? Yeah. That's a little interesting, Matt. That's an interesting little take here that that Campbell would get a home game. They, uh, I think it was part of the deal. If they got in, they got to stay at home. That's right. I don't know that. I don't know that, but it's yeah. something like that. No, I know uh, UNCG on the men's side is is playing at home as well. So mm. we do have some of that going on. Um yeah, that, I, that's a tough one for me. I'm, I mean, Iowa, Iowa over, you know, over the course of, of a week was fantastic. And 
you know, I guess I, I'd have to go with Iowa because they're hot at the moment. Um, but, you know, before this week, they had won only two or three games all year. Yeah. Now, granted, they're playing in the Big Ten and they're playing good teams all, all along. So you, I think you got to go with sort of the uh, blue blood there. But um, it might be tough at Campbell. I think it's super interesting. Have you been to Bowie's Creek? I have. I have. Yeah. The first championship yeah. ever at UCF. Yeah. That That's right. Yeah. And was it a positive experience? So I guess if you won, it was <laughs> yeah. a positive experience. Yeah. But that's the, that's the one that's, you know, we talk all well, about this tournament, that there's going to be some games that don't feel like the NCAA tournament. You know, if you're up in Wilson, it doesn't mm-hmm. feel like the NCAA tournament. Well, Bowie's Creek for Iowa and UCLA – that's not going to feel like the NCAA tournament. <laughs> so it's a little bit of an edge to Campbell, but I, I think Iowa's probably going to be too athletic for him. Yeah. Okay. Let's go on. Rutgers in Southeast Louisiana. Winner got, winner has Clemson. Yeah. Rutgers wins. That's an yeah. easy one. Yeah. And no, let's give it up a, for uh, Chris. Chris yes, absolutely. What a job Great he's job. done there. Southeast Louisiana. I mean, they were, they were really a tough – when he took over, they were in a tough spot. And, he, boy, he's done a good job. Congratulations to him for sure. But a tough matchup in Rutgers, no doubt. All right. Ohio State versus Stony Brook. Uh, winner is Scott Santa Clara. Again, that's a that's a fast one for me. Ohio State wins yeah. that one. Just too much. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. agree. Not a firepower up front for Ohio State. All right. Um, next one. Uh, this is an interesting one. Sorry, that game is at 8 p.m. on August 28th. At East Carolina, uh, four o'clock game at East Carolina um, on April twenty eighth is Utah Valley versus Memphis. Winner gets Arkansas. Look, Memphis has Memphis has some good players, some really good players, and uh, I, I expect that they'll carry the day there. Uh, you know, they'll they'll have too much for Utah Valley for sure. I know they didn't, you know, they didn't show up in uh, against uh, against Cincinnati, but um, you know, they have quality for sure. Go on and look at how many times a Brooks Monaghan team and what they've done after a loss. Yeah. I would guess my majority of the time they're winning. Yeah. So, but I don't know much about Utah Valley State. It's one of the few teams on here I don't have a good handle on. So, well, and, and they've got to win because who wants to miss Memphis versus Arkansas? Buckle up, <laughs> double up your shin guards. And if you're playing them in the next round, you know, you're going to get a beat up team post that one in that you know it went, whoever comes out of arkansas memphis good luck <laughs> okay let's keep going moving here we've got three o'clock on april 27th this one is at brian park which is greensboro chris is that right yeah yeah south florida versus central connecticut state um Look, South Florida's playing really well, um, moving the ball very well. It's the most patient South Florida team I've seen in, in the way that they're passing the ball. Uh, Mick Darcy's done a fantastic job at Central Connecticut State, and, and uh, they've, had a, they've had a very good season, but I think South Florida will have too much for them. They, this one fil- filters into Texas A&M, by the way. You know, I think that one, it, it's interesting. That's the most, the, of the first-round games, that's going to be the best soccer game. Because Mick's going to keep the ball as well. I've seen his team a decent bit. Great coach. South Florida plays a really nice style. And both teams are going to low pressure and let the other team come forward with the ball. Um, Aesthetically, that is probably going to be the most enjoyable game to watch of the first round. And and because of that, it it shortens the clock a little bit. I mean, I I give Mick a, a fighting chance in that one. All right. Um, Chris, write that down. We need to get McDarcy on the podcast as a guest. We can do that. He's a a good one. Yeah, he's a good one. All right. Uh, next one. Um, again, Brian Park, 7 p.m., April 27th, Colorado versus South Alabama. Yeah, it's a depleted South Alabama team. It's not the same team. It is in the fall. And had it been the same team they had in the fall, maybe they had, they have a fighting chance, but. I think Colorado, uh, again, when we talk about athletes, uh, Colorado's got some pretty athletic kids. Uh, I, I, I see Colorado winning that game. It also filters into Oklahoma State, by the way, the number 10 seed. Good. Brian, anything else South Alabama? Or yeah, I, I, I agree with that. I think Colorado's, you know, they, they're direct. They're going to be a little too much physically. So I see yeah. them advancing as well. 
All right. Um, down in the St. Louis bracket now, you have Washington nine three and three versus the uh, upset. Up, one of the upsets of the of the uh, tournament in uh, Liberty, who won the A Sun uh, seven five and five. They play the winner plays St. Louis. Uh, that game is seven p.m. on April twenty seventh. Yeah. So yeah, congratulations to Liberty on uh, on a, a great tournament to get themselves into into this matchup. Unfortunately, you get Washington. <laughs> is is uh is a big strong team and has played quite well you know in, yeah. in, in a really good league here for for the last couple of years so that that one's washington i think pretty easy i'll say this i was shocked at how dominant washington was against washington state in that last game of the year in a in a game where washington state really had to win um and it was at one point it was 17 to 0 shots were 17 to 0 it was and I watched most of the game and it was dominating from start to finish. And um, that shows you the quality of Washington. I think they're really good with some really good players. So anyway, uh, tough. It's going to be a tough matchup for Liberty. There's no doubt. Yeah. And I think the first sign of a good coach and new program is the first year bounce. If you don't get the first year bounce, that's a little bit of a alarm. And, you know, Washington certainly got it and they they've got talented players. So, I think they're responding to a new coach and that that's one of the more intriguing second round games. I think they'll cruise past Liberty, but that Washington St. Louis game should be a cracker. Well, and, and now this is the one that, excuse me, I feel is the best game of the, um, of the first round Denver versus Loyola, Chicago. Agreed. Loyola, Loyola, Chicago is a, is a, is a good team and Denver we know is a good team um, that, and that they play the, the winner gets, the fun game of North Carolina. Right. Um, but well, that, that game. game, yeah, it's uh, 3 p.m. April 27th at the Sportsplex in Matthews, which I believe is in Greensboro. Um, so Denver, Loyola, Chicago. Thoughts, yeah, Chris? That, I think that, um, you know, Loyola, Loyola's, uh, again, good season, traditionally been pretty good. We we've, we had Jeff last week, so we know the quality that, that Denver brings. I think maybe even a little – a little um, maybe a little clash of styles as well in this in this match so obviously I'm going to uh, I'm going to go with my buddy Jeff on this one and 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 pick Denver but that one could go either way you know I disagree a little from the overall assessment of that being a really tight competitive game what what I think in this is uh, you know in the first round of the NCAAs I do think coaching matters and you throw a team like Denver who's always in the tournament, but how, or it feels like always, how often do they see Colorado in the front, in the first round, if they're in, or how always. And for a program that's in the tournament so consistently to show up in this 48 team tournament. And for once they get a first round game where they're kind of favored, you know, it might be 60, 40. I do agree with that piece of it, but I don't think Denver is going to let this opportunity for an NCAA win sneak past them. Um, so, you know, I see that a little more comfortably for Denver. Okay. That's fair. Well, we'll see. We will talk about it on the uh, we'll 29th find out next of week. April. Yeah, let's, right. let's go hooker. I've just, I've just, uh, thrown my death. flag You're on like you. And yeah. 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 There's You're nothing like more important than bragging rights. So someone's You're bringing this one up on the backside. So come on, Denver. Chance. Let's go. And you, and if you fan. notice, I didn't, I didn't take it side. So I'll just be able to enjoy whoever loses. I also say though, Brian, you sound like Mike Greenberg kiss of death. You gave him the Greenberg kiss of death with that big yeah. <laughs> spiel into the, they're going to win. And then more than likely they won't. All right. Um, good. Right, Chris, you happy with that'll that? Do it. Yeah, that'll do it. Yeah, so that's your first round games. We're excited about that. Um, and I think uh, we will preview round two uh, on next I get, on the whoa, 29th. Whoa. Yeah. Give me one thing. This is just out of interest. I want each of you to give me a team that can that in is playing in the first round, most likely to be alive in the final 16. Who you got? <laughs> I'll take Penn State <laughs> before Chris oh, can take them. Jeez, uh, what a surprise. Hurry up and take Penn State. <laughs> and Chris is going to sprint to Virginia. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, and I only say that about Penn State because they're 17. Who is uh, Washington matched up with? Yeah, St. Louis. St. Louis. 
I'll take Washington. Yeah, I'll, I'll it, it's not going to be pretty, but I'll take South Carolina. One nil over Montana, one nil over Georgetown. Yeah. Darren, you got something? Yeah, quick question for the fans out there. Can we watch these yeah. on TV somewhere? Yeah, great question. Yes, all streamed on NCAA.com, the entire tournament uh, with announcers um, and stat or, uh, you know, time and score and all that kind of stuff. Yep, every game's on. Yeah, good question. Very good question. Um all right. Anything else, Brian? That was a good. That's a good one. I think. Uh, I think it's going to be a great tournament. I'm excited. It's one through forty-eight, and let's get these games going. We got a week. All right. So next Fun time, we'll uh, we'll meet again on the 29th of April yeah. after the first round games, and we'll we'll recap the games that were played. We'll see who had the best prediction, and then we'll <laughs> do those uh, second. Round. All right. Sounds good. Um, Brian, again, congratulations and good luck. I was going to take Furman to get get through, but I <laughs> I won't. Hey, they might, they might. I've yeah. watched the tape. All right, good <laughs> luck to you too, Matt. Yep, thanks. All right, go all right, on. good, Chris. Um, good show. Clifton was great. Enjoyed having him on. He's a, he's a good, really good guy, and did a great job of the committee. Um, this will be fun. Looking forward to certainly the next round of games, and and we'll talk soon. Okay, thanks, Darren, for producing DJM Productions. Um, that's all for us. That's all for us tonight. College Soccer Nation is out. If you have questions for Coach Petroselli or Coach Mott, you can reach them at cpetroselli at mail.smu.edu or mmott at olemiss.edu. College Soccer Nation is presented by DJM Productions and available on all your fine podcast outlets. Download it, give a review, tell a friend. <laughs>